Love the Elvis Presley music throughout the holidays. I love it. Welcome back to the show. It is Pit Pass, part of the uh, Front Porch Media Group. Appreciate that. Also, I want to tell you folks that this program is brought to you part by our good friends at what? Hicklin Power Sports in Grimes, Iowa. You can find Yamaha, Sea-Doo, Can-Am, Beta, KTM, and Polaris conveniently located all under one roof. And if you have a need, I'm going to invite you to stop by, talk to the folks in Grimes, Iowa at the home office of Hicklin Power Sports. If you can't do that, get online. It's an interesting website to check out. But you're missing out if you just go to the website because you can't get your haircut on the website yet. But I'll bet you anything you can in the store if you have an appointment. HicklinParsports.com. See the friendly staff there. Talk to uh, Bart Hicklin or any one of his friendly staff members and they'll be able to help you get on a new bike for 2019. How about that? Okay, joining us now is a two-time world superbike champ and uh, competed in the MotoGP class for over a decade. Of course, he is... The Texas Tornado, Colin Edwards, joining us from Texas now. Colin, welcome back to the show. It's been too long, man. I uh, know. What's going on, man? Y'all been trying to, I've been like incognito. Yeah, where you been? <laughs> man, uh, three kids, wife, uh, Thanksgiving, birthdays, uh, anniversaries, all that stuff going on. It's just kind of consuming. Plus, you have one really killer school, the Texas Tornado Boot Camp, that, uh, I have to believe continues to be a sellout type deal. Is that right, Colin? Oh yeah, it's awesome. We just had a, a full uh, Bridgestone bunch of Europeans. I mean, they were Austria, Switzerland, Sweden, France. Um, I mean, what in every country over there we had twenty four of these guys over, and uh, it's kind of a corporate thing we do every year for them. We do a Bridgestone U.S. camp also, but um, our public camps are always full. And, it's fun, man. You know, just to get back a little bit. I've learned a lot over, you know, two wheels over the last forty something years. So, just trying to get back and, uh, and teach these guys how to go fast. It is uh, your your camp is well. I would compare it to what uh, you know. It's like one of those major league baseball camps for baseball nerds that uh, go later in life. It is exactly <laughs> that for motorcycle nerds like myself. And you mean it in the kindest way? Ab- absolutely, <laughs> I do. <laughs> it, I absolutely do. I mean, guys uh, my age, up and down, uh, certainly want to be there. Uh, a number of friends and I from who are amateur road racers have all you know. Routinely, we attempt to get it together where we would all go at the same time, and we just haven't been able to pull it off yet. Well, here's your biggest problem. You send out the first vehicle you send out is the beer truck, uh, <laughs> and you you let them get two, three hours ahead of you. Yep, By Kansas right. City, you guys have caught them <laughs> Got and waylaid them at a rest stop, and then it starts to go downhill from there. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Adjust the departure time for the beer truck. I, I was there, actually, um, and Colin, I don't know what it was. It was you were having races or something, and we were dirt there. Wars. Dirt Wars. It's called War- the Dirt Wars. Yeah, we were there for a Loretta yeah, Lynn's yeah. qualifier. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, now we have we have Dirt Wars, which is we run our bikes, and then we have like a Mad Dog if you bring your own. That's what it was. And we also have Mad Dog only events, which you know bring your own bikes. So the, the, the Dirt Wars is like a speed sprint, kind of a speedway setup. You know, twenty eight races. Everybody never raced somebody at the same time. Um, it's a cool event, and then, you know, you come up with a guy with the most points at the end, and you've got a D main, a C, B, and A main, and, and winner take all. Yeah, it was, it was cool, though. I mean, just the uh, – it was Mad Dog. It was Mad Dog Bikes, and, and you're yeah. 
your uh, your saloon you got set up there and everything. It's just it's it's a super cool place to go and and uh, it's just a bummer it's so far away from me. But uh, in addition to the boot camp, that has never stopped you. Truth. Um, <laughs> you work with any current Moto America riders as a as a rider coach, and if and if you don't, um, is that something you're interested in doing? Yeah, I mean, I don't. Um, I wouldn't mind. I would actually enjoy it. Uh, the problem is, as we all know, it's just, man, I mean, funding nowadays in Moto America, which, you know, when Wayne took this whole thing over, I was I was kind of ready to, let's say, spur it to life and kind of get it going. And um, it's just, man, I mean, financially and, and funds coming from anyways to make this happen you have to have factories involved if you don't have factories involved then there is no championship so you know you need honda you need kawasaki you need all these guys coming in and and when they come in then we can actually build a real championship and it, this is my opinion but this is how it used to be and and when we had funding and money going through the paddock that's how it was Absolutely. We we all agree, Colin, and unfortunately, the American picture I don't think is all that much different than the international picture for, for racing. Budgets are tight when it comes to racing. Um, we, we've seen, uh, unfortunately, recently a shrinking in the in manufacturers that are involved. Uh, yeah. Graves Yamaha is, is unfortunately racing less guys on the track next year than they raced last year. That's not the direction we want to see it going. Clearly, we can't put that, I don't think, uh, the blame on Moto America. They're doing everything they can. And Honda, and, obviously. Well, Honda hasn't been in. You know, They're arguably not in. And Kawasaki's not in. And Colin's point is a valid one. We need to get these OEMs out on the, the road race track. Not only just have them there, their, their money matters. And in getting some quality teams on the track beyond the two major OEMs that are out there right now. Yeah, and the, I mean, the old saying goes, win on Sunday, sell on Monday, you know, which that has always been the case. The problem is, if you're not involved, how can you sell on Monday? And the, the reality of it is, is you look at the sport bike sales throughout the world. I mean, it's just from the mid-90s, or early 90s, when it was going nuts, it obviously is not going nuts and i don't know how how more polite to put this but unfortunately we have our hardcore fans sure uh, we have guys that are through and through uh bike nuts but the reality of it is i don't think we're gaining a lot more um which i would love to see but it's just i don't know how to do it and you know i mean the boot camp is the only way we can bring people that have never ridden motorcycles they come to dirt wars or Bear, mad dog and just get them on a bike they don't have a bike to come play and come ride, and if you like it, well, then go buy you a bike. Sure, and they're not that That's expensive. The only thing we can do, yeah, they're not that expensive. That's yep. the only way we can try and help it out. The thing, the thing that the that the motorcycle industry is facing, and whether they want to talk about it, we want to talk about it or not, is the demographic of the average motorcycle rider, racer, whatever, is get, is aging, and it's. And, we're getting old and i'm 41 wow. and and that's yeah i know scott you're a lot, a lot i know you're a lot you're older old, than that scott dude, you're so but, old. but listen i'm <laughs> i'm telling you though but i'm the guy that can afford to buy the bikes and the guy that's active now so the 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 guys you know my peers that i'm riding with 
I have to ride with younger guys, right? Because they're the the because the, older guys have they don't ride. But um, I'm just they saying have like, jobs. They, they have, have jobs. Okay, they have jobs. There we said it. The other <laughs> guys my age have a job um, that they go to work nine to five. But you know what I mean? Like it's uh, okay. So we I blew that. I I don't work. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, <laughs> honestly, I mean. Our average age at, at boot camp is 40 to 42. That's our average age, you know, and it's the guy that has a job, you know, a couple kids, wife, has a little bit of money to spare, and he wants to come out and get his motorcycle skills better. That is our average client right there. The reality of it, and you look at NASCAR, they used to be 20 to 40. Well, 20 years later, all their fans are 40 to 60. Yep. <laughs> so. You know, it's the same thing. We all, we all are fans, but we're not gathering the younger demographic. Yeah, that was the point I was trying to make before we yeah. started talking about my well, lack of... You actually had a point. Your lack of a job. Point. My lack of a job, yeah. <laughs> uh, and un- unfortunately, this is a, it's a theme throughout the motorcycle world. It's it clearly, I think everyone recognizes it. Harley was facing this as a manufacturer about 10 years before motorcycles at large were. I mean, is this when they bought bought the product line back from uh, AMF? Just, uh, no, th- the fact that their their clientele was aging. And this was really, I mean, as a student of the industry, they experienced this before everyone else did. All, and now it is yeah. just motorcycling at large. But at one time, it was really prevalent. Harley-Davidson was struggling to get new riders. Right. Now we are saying the exact same thing about motorcycle riders period Period. take brand out of the picture well it's interesting that you would bring up harley davidson i want to perhaps get your input on on this uh, colin as well as our in-studio guys here but uh it was recently released that uh, uh, performance brokerage services has uh, helped uh, michael mcgrath part of the McGrath family that owns and operates uh, dealerships in Iowa and elsewhere yeah. uh, has yeah. increased the family footprint to more dealerships by the, uh, when they acquired Wheelers or Weeblers rather Weeblers quad city, Harley Davidson and Davenport after the, owning it some 19 years or more, but it's time it's that a breed of, of motorcycle shop owner that Tony has been buying bikes from, and now we're going to see a, a younger demo that's going to be operating. Are you seeing, is, is there some kind of correlation we should be realizing there from your perspective? Well, I mean, you mentioned the four-wheel uh, department and UTV. You know, that side is skyrocketing. Right. I mean, you, cannot, you can't go to anybody's house nowadays without seeing a UTV or four-wheeler. I mean, and that's, you know, I live in Texas, so that's hunting and fishing, and, and you got a, a vehicle to go from point A to point B. Um, as far as your question, younger demographics on that side, absolutely. And um, if you're in a, a motorcycle family uh, and done all that for your whole life, right. I would suggest the UTV four-wheeler side. Of course, that's that's another way to, to bring more revenue. Mm. And you know what? I think there's some some intelligence quotient that goes into this, and that is it's much easier if you're going deer hunting to put a deer on the back end of your four, you know, your side by side, your forward. Not necessarily easy to put it on a uh, in a drag bag and and haul it behind your four fifty. Obviously, <laughs> but the, 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 the trouble, officer. yeah, the trouble with these side by sides, and we've we've beat this horse. And I don't want to burn up our once a year or less interview with Colin Edwards about this, but. 
the, the problem with that is, is is these kids that are riding in the back or side of these side-by-sides or maybe even driving them, they don't go up to buy motorcycles. They just drive cars and maybe another side-by-side. It's it, it's the, the worst thing that, could, that the motorcycle manufacturers could have invented is the side-by-side by my estimation. I own two of them, so I'm not going to say that, but I also have a lot more motorcycles. So Well, can I interrupt? It goes so far deeper than that because when you look at, at places in Asia or Italy or whatever, I mean, these kids grow up and they get to get on a scooter right. when they're 14, 15 years old. So by the age of 10 or 11, they're daydreaming about the scooter they can buy. You know, and they got pictures on the wall and, and they're researching the cheapest, coolest scooter they can buy. And they grow up with this love of two wheels. We don't have that. I mean, we, we, that's not a part of Americana. We don't do that. We grow up thinking, hey, man, I want a cool Jeep or I want a Ferrari. I mean, that's, or an old 69 Camaro. That's our. Or a lifted truck. More 49 Willys. Yeah, exactly. You know, you get exactly where I'm going. But you have to understand where motorcycles or scooters or two wheels thrive, these kids are daydreaming about it. By the age of 10, 11, 12, they already know what they want. That's their fir- first motor transportation. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's a different world for sure. So our, our guest is Colin Edwards, and, and Colin, uh, Moto America's new twins class was, I would say, pseudo-successful in its first season and, and definitely some good racing. Um, what do you think about a few appearances in the class on an FZ07? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> for me, absolutely not. I mean, I can't even see the light go out nowadays. I'd have to put some plexiglass <laughs> glasses on. Um, no, I think it's awesome. I always loved the Twins class. They used to have that Battle of the Twins and all that back when I was racing here. Um, and they were doing the 888s or 851s, whatever it was. 880, yep, the 883s. Yeah, it was a blast. The Bostrom boys were out there. Did you race any of those bikes no. when they were out? You were a little old for that. Yeah, I didn't. It came in, like the I think, the year after I signed for Vance and Hines. It was like right around that time. But man, you talk about some good racing. It was always good, tight racing. Yeah, and but I mean, again, that really is the heyday we're we're all missing. the The fields were so stacked. Guys like you were getting paid to race six hundreds. I mean, and there wasn't enough. You know, the grid wasn't big enough to let guys like Bostrom get on a, a paid ride, and he was certainly fast. But it got really young, fast racers out on the track and let sponsors and teams see them uh, racing each other. Absolutely. I mean, one that comes to mind, Mike Hale, you know, back in my day, I mean, he was, uh, but anyways, all these kids, they came up and that was just a way to get out and show your talent. It was, it was awesome. And we raced on stupid tracks like Charlotte, put motorcycles on a bank <laughs> speedway. I mean, are you, and nail some boards to the ground. There's your scheme, bro. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, what do you think the recipe for MotoGP is for their continued success and growth? Man, I don't know. Honestly, I wish I knew that. Um, and I thought years ago, if you could somehow lure, you know, one sport that thrives in our country is motocross. And if you could somehow lure, you know, your your 12 to 14, 15-year-old really fast kids that have a lot of talent, if you could somehow lure them 
uh, hey, you know what, you have to be top three or top four in the country, which all those kids think they're going to be. Um, but if you could actually sit them all down and say, hey, you got to be top three or top four to actually make any money, why don't you come road racing and make no money? No, actually, that didn't go right, did it? <laughs> <laughs> but to at least try to think about a future. The problem is now, and, and I've just had this conversation last week, with the Bridgestone Euro guys, it's almost impossible for a U.S. guy to actually get out of the U.S. nowadays in road racing just because there's no level. You don't understand what it is. You got to go to Spain and do the CEB championship and if, or, or BSB, something similar. Yeah, but even BSB, why would you look at uh, James Raspoli? I mean, he's over there doing that. You got guys doing it, but it's like, how can you get out of it? You have to kind of do the CV Spanish thing where all the money is and work your way up. But the next question is, why would a CV team give America an American all the good stuff to beat all the Spanish kids on the grid? Because they want to see, yeah, but they want to see everybody treated fairly. Uh, (laughs) There is a lot of decades of uh, practical experience to suggest that (laughs) might not be the case. Am I reading more into it? uh, Yeah, yeah. Might be reading more into it. Yeah, I think the 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 famous quote from forever ago is, "I didn't have the right passport." (laughs) Yeah, exactly, and that that's the truth. Uh, And uh, it's unfortunate the way it is, but motorcycle, MotoGP is hard for. I mean, Spanish. uh, Yeah, Superbike used to be Italian. Uh, BSB, obviously, but you have, you have your your clicks. You know that's the way it is. Well, that's uh, I think just another reason why we need to build the border wall. Let's go back to Tony. Tony, the border wall. Uh, <laughs> Ducati, the uh, they're talking. Ducati's talking about they not only want a MotoGP championship, but they also want a World Superbike and and British Superbike championship. Do, do you think? Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Colin? Do you think that there's uh, that Ducati can? can accomplish these things with given their uh, their current platform? You know, we've talked about that Ducati for I don't know how many years, the MotoGP bike, and this year we all kind of unanimously degree, or, or agree that it's probably the best bike on the grid, which uh, we, honestly, I've never thought I would say that. I mean, it's always been fast, but it never turned worth a damn. Right. Um, it always had its own little issues. Uh, the electronics are amazing. Uh, they actually have the bike figured out. And when you look at the Vizioso, what Lorenzo did this year, you could say, hey, man, that thing looks, it's always up near the front. It looks good. And when you discount Marquez, that Honda looks terrible, <laughs> to be honest with you. I mean, there's Crutchlow won a race in Argentina, but other than that, he was crashing good. a bunch to get it, too. I mean, the <laughs> argument could be made he was pushing as hard as anyone can. Oh to keep it where he was. Absolutely. So as far as Ducati, yeah, they have a big picture. Uh, and as far as that, this new bike they got coming out that can actually win uh, in the Superbike stage, I don't. I, I think their hat's off to them. They, they have a goal, and I think they can absolutely reach it. Your buddy Rossi, uh, Valentino Rossi, signed on to continue his Yamaha racing for in MotoGP for at least another year, right? So... Yep. Um, after winning, seeing it all, where does someone like that get the motivation to continue? How does that guy continue to to throw his leg over? Is it money? And no, it can't be money. Can't what, be. Uh, it's man. How does he do it? You, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, the only the only 
let's say, insight I could possibly give you. He doesn't have any kids, doesn't have a wife. Um, his whole life has only ever been motorcycling. Hmm. Um, so to get up every morning and this is what I'm going to do, absolutely. He loves going to the camp, into the camp, training with him at, at his ranch. He's been my place. Um, he just loves to ride a motorcycle, and that's what it takes, you know. And I know when I ended up retiring, it got to a point where like, okay, come on, this is, you know, I got kids and wife, and you got to kind of look at everything. But yeah. He doesn't have that. He doesn't have that to, to let's say, they demotivate him. Not devote. I shouldn't say my kids. They not demotivate, but like your you level of importance changes. Yeah, yeah, important. There you go. Exactly. Your your focus. So um, keeping all that in mind, uh, we are way past the break, but I got to tell you, it's always good to have you on, Colin, and and appreciate you jumping back into the mix. Uh, The Texas tornado is alive and well, and uh, (laughs) and I know you're looking forward to Christmas, aren't you? Absolutely, guys. I How is Rossi's uh, English, by the way? It's good. Yeah, I mean, he can play like it's not good, but it's great. You know, I mean, it uh, just depends on what question you ask him. If he, if he, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. The reason I ask him, you know. He some, might be doing a little uh, power fade there uh, <laughs> exactly. just to, to get around some exactly. situations. I'm just thinking it would be great to have him on the show, and uh, if you can help facilitate with, that. With Colin. Yeah, that'd be great. Maybe you could be the yeah. interpreter. He says, uh, do not uh, understand yeah. what you're saying. <laughs> it's definitely possible. <laughs> All right, buddy boy. Hey, thanks so much, Colin. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you and yours. All right. You guys Texas Tornado. Watch them. Yeah. Two-time world superbike champ and so much more to our sport. Appreciate that. Colin Edwards heads to the uh, pits. We'll take a short time out on the Pit Pass Radio Network, part of the Front Porch Media Group. Stay tuned. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.